Good morning, church. Good morning. The Lord be with you. Uh, Joel, I want you to know that Atticus fully took you up on our, your offer to dance and was getting it back there. Good morning, everybody. My name is John Crawford. I am a church planter in residence here. I'm on staff here. I'm the keeper of the booklet. I uh, used to say the leader of dance until I just watched my son outdo me. So that position has been filled. Uh, and I'm going to proclaim some good news to us together today. So let's proclaim good news. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We continue into Eastertide. We celebrate the wonders of Christ being risen with our whoops, our accordions, apparently. Cowbells, amens, and alleluias are finally back in our liturgy. And during this Eastertide, the lectionary gives us a track through the book of Revelation into our typical New Testament passage spot. And it is a fitting way for us to go through Eastertide as we come out of our series on mammon and we can preach into those texts during this season. Ben gave us a bit of vision about how we're viewing Revelation last week and quite frankly, took all of the good left behind jokes. So I'm not going to do too many summaries here, but I am going to give us just enough context to get into our passage today. One of the goals in Revelation being written is it's a pastoral letter from John to a people who are experiencing something, to experiencing an empire, an empire that used their power over and against people, an empire that tried to sell itself as good for the world and for everyone in it, but only used it so that a few could have all the power and control. John is writing to speak prophetically about this and encourage those who he is writing to in the midst of their being underneath this empire. It is into this context that we get our passage today in Revelation. To catch you on a bit on what's been happening, John's having a vision, some other things happen, we read a few letters that are being written. Again, John writing to these churches that he's trying to encourage amidst this context. And now John has been taken up to the throne room. And when we pick up our passage, there is raucous praise happening. People are losing their minds in celebration. Now, why are they losing their minds? Why is literally every creature in celebration of God and the slaughtered lamb and Jesus celebrating? We see what happened was, just a few verses earlier, there's a scroll sealed with seven seals, and it's in the right hand of the one seated on the throne. John's watching all this, and then an angel proclaims loudly, who can open this? The understanding being that the person who can open the scroll and begin will unroll the rest of what happens in this book and begin taking down this empire that has been so oppressive. So who's going to lead the way in this? And then what we get as this cosmic awkward silence where nobody can answer it, nobody comes forward, John begins to weep. Weeping because seemingly no one can do this. No one can begin to open this scroll, to unroll the rest of this book, and somehow defeat the powers that are the cause and focus at play here. Then an elder says to John, don't weep. The lion, keyword lion, of the tribe of Judah has conquered. They can open the scroll. I don't know about y'all, but if I was weeping because somebody couldn't do the thing that was going to take down my enemies, take down and defeat the powers that abuse and use, then the word lion would be pretty comforting. Fearsome creature, ready to tear out some seals and maybe tear up those who have for so long had the power. Almost a big old go give them what they deserve sort of thing. And that is when a slaughtered lamb comes forward, which is a bit different than a lion, huh? This is the hinge point for this passage 
that it's not the lion who comes forward, but it's the slaughtered lamb. It is the lamb who opens the scroll, and the heavens erupt with praise. God did not choose to conquer like Rome did. He chose not to show power like the world. God did not power up and show God's might in a way that would force everyone under their submission and rule as the Romans did daily in the lives of those receiving this letter. God chose instead to give of themselves. Just before our passage in Revelation 5.9, they sing praise of the Lamb, saying, For you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. John is riding this way of victory, and it would have been stark to the audience, knowing how Rome again chose to win every day. Yet we see here the celebration of Easter, the ultimate victory, the ultimate redemption, happening through the death and the resurrection of the Lamb on the cross. John's tears that no one will be able to open the scroll are relieved in this new Easter reality, even though his cheeks may still be wet. Relieved in the good news today, friends, that in the grit of the already and not yet, see that the slaughtered lamb has ultimately won. Come and participate in the way of the slaughtered lamb and join in the act of redemption of all things. The entire cosmos is ruled by this lamb and none other. And so we join in a loud chorus saying, Amen. Amen. Now, it would be easy to leave the story here. It's Easter. We're celebrating. Everything's happy, right? The resurrected lamb has ransomed the saints. It's a final note of victory. Jesus has done it all. But our lectionary compilers won't let us have it, and neither do our everyday lives. The hard part of this good news comes when you have God telling Ananias that Paul must suffer for the sake of my name, or the psalmist writing of weeping through the night. Peter has this great connecting moment with Jesus, this redemption of a story from earlier in the Gospels, and then essentially gets a, and you'll be taken where you do not wish to go, which the Gospel writer didn't give us a spoiler alert saying, this is how dude dies, right? It's hard to kind of reconcile these two good news. Those don't sound like good news to me. Jesus winning the ultimate victory and celebration, the response of those being celebrations of, here we go, and then you get to be like this lamb and follow in this path. That can be hard to swallow, right? Just me? You're good with it? All right, we can end it there. Let's end it. Oh, I think it's hard. Especially when we put out the other option, the options that our current empire gives us, the empire of today. What Mammon promised us from our conversations these last few weeks, it offers us a chance at financial freedom, a life free of worry, if you just accumulate enough. Luxury to vacation when and however you want to. Equal opportunity for everyone, if they work hard enough, and a land of safety for all. I don't know about y'all, but the way of power via empire described there sounds better to me most days, especially in this season, than the way of a slain lamb that is being offered. Here's what I want to trade a bit of the work, trade on a bit of the work that we've done during our Mammon series, and it's going to be too brief. If you have any further questions about it, especially challenging ones, you can feel free to email me at spencer at tableindy.org. Just kidding. I would love to chat about it, but in a brief way, I want to go back to a couple of the things we said and say this, that the way of empire is not working for so many people. I would even dare say it's not working for us in this room, even though we think it may be. How have you seen this recently, the way that mammon and our empire do actually the opposite work of the redemptive work we find in Christ? Some ways that I've seen it in my life and in our life together, 
It's not working for my neighbor who can't make too much or he loses his health care, but he's not making enough because his health is so poor and he can't work. It doesn't work for our asylum-seeking friends, some who've had to flee for their literal lives, and the best option they have is a government that says, maybe we won't send you back home. And those among us are some of the best-case scenarios in our world right now. In my own life and in conversations with many of you, our anxiety is through the roof, maintaining the lives of mammon that we're told we need to, to do the next thing, to do the get to the next spot. And this doesn't include the ways and so many other ways that could be named that people are left behind in our communities, our state, our country, and our world by these empires that play in similar ways to Rome. It's not working, friends, and it isn't going to. Yet, this is where our good news slips in. To say that we are not left alone in this cosmic awkward silence. We're not left alone in our tears. We are not left to the mystery of can anyone break these seals and begin to break down these powers? Because we know and have seen the Lamb come forward and show us the way. In this season, we celebrate the one way that we know has truly defeated death, friends. That's good news. The one way and the one kingdom that has outlasted Rome and every other powering up empire since and always will. The one way that even amidst our tears, we find ourselves both seeing it done and being swept up in the way of participating at the same time. Friends, in the grit of the already and not yet, see that the slaughtered lamb has ultimately won. Come and participate in the way of the slaughtered lamb and join in the active redemption of all things. The entire cosmos is ruled by this lamb and none other. And so we join in the loud chorus saying, Amen. Amen. Now what does this slaughtered lamb look like in our everyday lives? What is this way of the slaughtered lamb? How do we play this out? Here's how I submit it. I think it happens every time we subvert the way that power works. The same way that a lion is the one who's supposed to break the seal, but a slaughtered lamb is the one who comes forward. Every time we subvert the way that power and mammon wants to keep us thinking it is working for us and everyone else, even if we do it in the smallest of ways, we participate in this way of the lamb. To give a few kind of thought examples from, because this is heady, right? This feels a little heady. Like, what do we do? And even this past week, I was with some coworkers, and we got talking about money and power and the way the MBA works and, you know, just like super fun, easy, light conversation. And the thing that kept coming up, and then I was realizing outside of our community where we're starting to do these little conversations is these little conversations matter. Because I couldn't have any of the conversation in this car and people that I was with because it was just so overwhelming, right? Well, you're telling me that like what, what would cause us to do good work? What causes us to try hard? Do we get Michael Jordan if eight people just share profits? Like these are the questions that come up, right? What do you mean when you say this? And I think this is something in where Marissa has led our family and I think is leading our community in really good ways, my wife, in the sense of just asking these really simple questions of like, what's happening? As she was processing and doing these things, one of the questions she asked, she said, like, what stresses us out? What in maintaining our life, what are we doing every day that's just stressing us out? And how do we kind of get around that as a community? How do we get around that with our community? And those sorts of questions have come up with some really weird options. And it's been amazing. There's a meal share happening in our neighborhood 
or celebrating picnics together. So I don't know about y'all, one of the most stressful parts of my week sometimes is like trying to wrangle my kids and get them out of this building without destroying anything. <laughs> and instead, we just get to be together and have space. Like those are like little, little things, right? And you're like, but wait a minute, is that dismantling everything? I don't know. I don't know. But it's doing something. And I think there's other examples. There's examples of a member in our community sharing the idea of getting my doctorate and trying to work to pay rent in a city and do all these things is just a lot. And then somebody says, well, why don't you just live with us? Get rid of that stress. This resource sharing, it begins to subvert what is being told to us that we're supposed to be doing, right? And even in these little ways. And these are the kind of conversations that we want to begin having in these listening groups that are going to be happening over the next couple months. It's these little conversations. They may feel really overwhelming. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot to do. And I don't want to dismiss that. No, there's a lot of systemic change that also has to happen. But when we begin to have new imaginations for participating and subverting in our everyday life, we see something totally different. And I think that's what it can look like. It's like little things, right? And two, another way we can do this is we can do this liturgically. We do this liturgically when we shout amen, when we shout hallelujah. We are saying yes to this reality, the reality of the slaughtered lamb, the reality that empire does not win, but Jesus has ultimately won. And we get to participate in that. We, sometimes even in praying through our disbelief, we are saying yes to the reality of the risen lamb. And in our prayer of response today, this is what we're going to do in a succinct space. We are not blind to the cost of what it is we are seeking to subvert. We're going to name it. We're going to name what it is we're seeking to subvert. But then we, straight from the end of our Revelation passage, you'll see the quotes. We sing praises to the risen Lamb with all of creation. And then all together join in a hearty amen to say, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Because in each of these things, we join in with the Lamb. We subvert empire. We subvert. Subvert. We subvert empire and mammon and get to join in with the choir truly together and shout an amen in response to the good news that, beloved, in the grit of the already and not yet, see that the slaughtered lamb has ultimately won. Come, participate in the way of the slaughtered lamb and join in the active redemption of all things. The entire cosmos is ruled by this lamb and none other. And so we join in a loud chorus saying, Amen. Amen.